Well, last Sunday, <clears throat> I spoke about how President Nixon lost his presidency to the Watergate scandal. And in my studies, I also learned how he lost the 1960 presidential election to John F. Kennedy. And it is very applicable to us what happened to him. Uh, former President Eisenhower <clears throat> warned Nixon not to accept the very first challenge to a TV debate. But Nixon rejected the advice of the senior Eisenhower because he took pride in his debating skills. His staffers also uh, encouraged him to rest up for the debate, but instead he campaigned tirelessly up to the very last minute, and perhaps you know what happened. Most people listening by radio thought Nixon had won the debate. President Eisenhower had been right. And uh, the majority of the 80 million TV viewers who watched the debate on TV thought John F. Kennedy won the debate. He looked fresh, tanned, and vibrant, while Nixon looked unshaven, baggy-eyed, and surly due to tiredness. Isn't it interesting? His staffers had also been right. Richard Nixon lost the 1960 presidential election by less than 1% of the vote. And most analysts say the reason for his loss was the TV debacle. Now, two of the biggest errors that anyone can make are being overconfident in yourself and your abilities and rejecting seasoned advice. Think about that. Had Richard Nixon made only one of those errors, he might have become the president in 1960, but he didn't make just one error. He made two errors. And it was a foolish, disastrous combination. Now, how does this apply to us today? Well, are we not prone to the same errors? Are we not? Trusting in ourselves and our abilities? Rejecting the seasoned advice of those who are wiser than we are? Of course, we all know we're prone to those very same errors. Now, Proverbs, as we have been looking at this wonderful book, was written to keep us from foolish errors that can end up being very costly. And this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me back to the prologue of Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to continue this message we started last week entitled, The Beginning of Wisdom. And I want you to look with me at verses 1 and 2 again, because here we have the two main purposes of the entire book of Proverbs. And so let me read again for you. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, and we might add this phrase, were collected in this final form for two purposes, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So you'll notice the second purpose of Proverbs is to help us to think about life carefully. And then the very first goal of Proverbs we see in verse 2 is to help us to live life skillfully. 
Now you remember, as we were looking at the prologue, that there are a number of questions that help us to understand what this skillful life is all about. And last week, we saw the very first question, how do we get wisdom? Now today, we want to continue with a couple of more questions. Here's the second question. What is the goal of wisdom? What is the goal of wisdom? Verses 3 through 5 are designed by Solomon to help us understand this first goal to live skillfully. And I want you to notice what verse 3 says. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. The very first thing here we see in verse 3 is that Solomon has a goal for us. If you look at the structure of this prologue, you will notice that Solomon has been mostly using infinitives, and there are five of them. You can see them in your Bible. To know, to understand, to receive, to give, and then to understand again. But when he gets ready in verse 3 to give us the goal of wisdom, he changes from the infinitives to three nouns, and you can see them in verse 3, righteousness, justice, and equity. These are at the very center of the prologue structure, and it's the goal for life which is at the very heart of the entire book of Proverbs. Now, most of us know from reading the book of Psalms that these three attributes, righteousness, justice, and equity, are attributes of God. So they set the standard for human interaction. Brothers and sisters, you know what we're seeing here? This is nothing less than the goal of Proverbs and the goal of the entire Christian life. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the goal of the Christian life, I think you would say, well, it's to become like Jesus, right? And you would absolutely be correct. But then if we ask ourselves this question, what was Jesus like? Well, wasn't Jesus like this? He was righteous, just, and equitable. Proverbs, then, is pointing us to Jesus and fleshing out for us what it means to be like him. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. As you look at these three nouns in verse 3 that are the goal of wisdom, what are these three? Well, they are virtues, aren't they? All three of them are virtues, and virtues are what make up character, so notice what Solomon is telling us. His goal is to instill virtues into us to make us people of character so that we might live skillfully. And doesn't this make sense? If I were to say to you, what flows out of your character, your answer would be everything. Everything flows out of our character. One pastor calls this deep character. Deep character. So notice what we're seeing here. Right virtues lead to right character. Right character lead to right choices. 
And right choices are what skillful, wise living is all about. Right virtues lead to right character. Right character leads to right choices. And when we are making right choices, it is what skillful and wise living is all about. See, we hear a lot today about values, don't we? There's a lot of talk about values, especially in an election year. We even hear things like values clarification. Have you ever heard that expression? Values clarification. Let me ask you, what is the problem with that? Whose values are we clarifying, right? And how do we know if we have the right values? Oh, don't worry about that, says one resource on values clarification. This resource says, remember, every person has a unique set of values, and there are no right or wrong answers. How many of you would like to live in a world like that? How many of you think we are living in a world like that. Does Solomon know what he's talking about? He sure does. Brothers and sisters, the ancients did not talk so much about values. They talked about instilling virtues. A virtuous wife who can find Proverbs 31.10. Remember last week we said Proverbs ends with the same themes that it began with. And instilling virtues is at the very heart of the book of Proverbs. Now look again at these three virtues here in verse 3. Notice them. Righteousness is the Godward virtue. That is conduct that conforms to God's moral standards. Justice here is the outward virtue. That is conduct that treats others fairly and justly. By the way, does it bother you when a United States senator convicts the police officers in Philadelphia who tragically had to shoot a man who was coming at them wielding a knife and they told him over and over again he needed to stop and when he refused to stop, they tragically had to shoot him. And the United States Senator has come out and called those officers murderers. Does that bother you? Here's a man who's not only the judge and the jury, but already the executioner. Refusing those officers the very due process that our Constitution says is their right. What a terrible thing when others are not treated justly. That's the outward virtue. And then equity here is the inward virtue. That is conduct that follows a morally straight path. And all of us know this is who Jesus was. He had the Godward virtue. He was righteous. 
He had the outward virtue. He was a man of justice, and he treated others fairly, and he had the inward virtue, equity. He followed a morally straight path. Brothers and sisters, you know what we see here? These are the cardinal virtues at the very center of deep character that will make us skillful in life. Are you interested? Of course you are. These are the very cardinal virtues at the center of deep character that will make us wise and skillful in life. When I was a boy, uh, several of us on our bikes, we uh, drove to Beltline Plaza. And uh, we went into an appliance store called Sam and Stan's Appliance Store, and there on the counter was a sucker tree. And boy, did our eyes get big. When Sam and Stan were not looking, we pretty much stripped that tree, and out the front door we went. When I got home, I made a mistake. I told my mother what we had done. You cannot believe how she responded. It was almost as though I had committed some heinous crime. She said, you did what? That wasn't what they wanted you to do with that sucker tree. She said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the store. We're going to buy a bag of dum-dum suckers. We're going to drive to Salmon Stands, and we are going to replenish that sucker tree. I said to her, we can't do that. That would be totally embarrassing. I do not remember exactly what she said. I think it was something like, get in the car. We drove to the store, bought a bag of dum-dum suckers, drove to Beltline Plaza. I was so embarrassed, I could not go in. My mother went in, explained what happened, gave them the bag of dum-dum suckers. It was an appropriate name for the suckers because I sat in the car, I felt like the dum-dum. She came back, got in the car, we drove home. I never heard another word about it. I never did anything like that ever again. What was my mother doing? She was instilling virtue in her son, wasn't she? Righteousness. Justice and equity. Thank God for godly mothers who instill virtue in their children, right? Right this morning? Yes, yes. Are there any virtuous moms here this morning? Well, of course there are. Of course there are. They're all over this audience. Moms, here's your goal right here. Verse 3 is your goal. You're bringing your children to Jesus so that they can come to know Him personally. And then by instilling the virtues of Jesus in their life, you are showing them the virtues they will need to have deep character so that they can grow up and live like Him. It is the very goal of the Christian life. It is deep character by instilling virtue.
Now here's another question that Solomon answers for us. Who needs wisdom? Who needs wisdom? And it should not surprise us that the first answer is youth. Youth. Look at verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now this word youth here is a very broad word. It can refer to children who are here today. It can refer to teenagers. It can refer to young people who are in their 20s. If that includes you, would you listen to me very carefully for just a moment? Here's your danger. Here's your danger. You are simple. You are simple. Now, I can just hear you saying, wait, wait, wait a minute here, just a moment. Who does this preacher think he is calling me simple? I don't have to listen to this. Don't you feel maybe uh, your hair getting up on your back a little bit? But here's what we need to understand. This is a Hebrew couplet in verse 4. And in a Hebrew couplet, the words explain each other. So the word simple is explained by the word youth. This is not a put down at all. Simple here does not mean mentally deficient. Okay? It has nothing to do with brain power. All right? You can be a person of great intellectual brain power, and yet you can still be simple if you're young. What does the word mean? The word simple here means inexperienced. Inexperienced. To young people here today, this is a warning. It means you do not know where all the traps in life are. It means you have a tendency to believe everyone and everything. It means you can be influenced by unscrupulous people who want to take advantage of you. P.T. Barnum of the famous circus said this, there's a sucker born every minute. There's a sucker born every minute. How many here this morning want to go through life as a sucker? How did I know the answer to that question? I know in my own life, when I've been a sucker, I feel so foolish. I feel, how could I be so easily duped? I remember at a county fair when I was just a boy, I I was taken in by a salesman. My dad knew exactly what was going on, but he wanted me to be, uh, uh, he wanted me to learn a lesson, so he allowed me to be duped, and when I got home after we had purchased the product, I realized, I've been a sucker. I was duped. How could I be so naive? May I ask you a question this morning? How many of you would like to be less easily influenced and less duped in your life? Any young person here say, that sounds like something pretty good to me? That's what Solomon offers to youth in this book. Look what you can have. Look what you can have as a young person. Verse 3, wise dealing. Verse 4, prudence. 
Verse 4, knowledge and discretion. That is an interesting figure of speech. Those two words refer to one thing. It means a discerning plan for life. How many young people on the cusp of your life today, your whole life in front of you would say, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a discerning plan so that I could live wisely in life? That's what Solomon is offering. How many young people here today would like to be able to spot a con artist? How would you like to be able to avoid unhealthy situations? How would you like to know when somebody is trying to fill your head with mush? Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? I know a young man who married his second girlfriend, not the first. And his family was very relieved because they knew the first one was trouble. And they could see in her what the young man with stars in his eyes could not see. And somewhere along the way, he wised up And he eventually met the second girl that he's married to today. And she is a wonderful young woman. How many of us would like to wise up like that? Young people, that's what Proverbs is offering you. It's for the youth. But then I'm surprised here because this wisdom is also for older people. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Now the wise and discerning are the experienced older people, and as I look around, there are quite a few of us here. Well, if we are wise and discerning, then why are we here? Why do we need this wisdom? And I think you know the answer. It's because there's no fool. Like what kind of fool? There's no fool like an old fool. By the way, I'm now in the group where I have the potential to be an old fool. And to be quite honest with you, it scares me. It scares me. See, we expect a young person to be gullible and easily influenced. But when it happens to an older person, it's a downright tragedy. What's the danger for us as older people? Well, it's a twofold danger. Number one, we may forget what we learned. Or number two, we can fall back into old errors. See, here's what I've learned, and I know you've learned it as well. Sin clings so tightly to us that unless we are growing, 
we will very easily mess up. Do we know that as older people? Sin clings so tightly to us that unless we are growing in wisdom, we will easily mess up. Here's what a retiree once said to me. He said, I spent my first year of retirement golfing, bowling, fishing, and hunting. He says, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But at the end of that year, this is what he realized he was becoming. He was becoming a good time Charlie. A good time Charlie in his retirement. How many think that's a wise way to spend your retirement years? Anybody here say this is the wise way to live in retirement, being a good time Charlie? How many retirees in America, that is the goal for their lives? You know what he said at the end of the year? He said to me something I hope I never forget in my life. At the end of a year of doing that, he said, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than this. May I ask you, seniors, this morning, what is the purpose for your life as a senior? As an older person? Well, look at verse 5 and notice the purpose. It is to hear. It is to increase in learning. It is to obtain guidance. The purpose is to continue growing spiritually in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And it is not just for your own sake. Remember what wisdom in Solomon's Proverbs means. It is skillful living so that we can produce something that has lasting value. A wise life is living skillfully so that we can produce something of lasting value. And that lasting value is not just for ourselves, but is for those who are looking to us. Can I speak to the seniors here for just a moment? Let me speak to you for just a moment. I'm so glad for the seniors here at Bethel who are in Bible studies small groups, and adult Bible fellowships. I'm so glad for the older people here who are volunteering in ministries to children, youth, and to adults. You have to look at some seniors and say, you are a grandparent, you have no grandchildren in this ministry, what in the world are you doing volunteering to other people's children and grandchildren? And the only thing that you can say and the only thing that you can understand as you watch somebody in their senior years who is doing that is they're saying, I want to live wisely all the way to the end of my life so that I can produce something of lasting value, not just for me, but for the lives of the younger generation coming up. That is living wisely. Solomon would say, you've got it.
You've got it. One day, my grandfather was sitting on the bedside. He was depressed and dejected. My dad came along and said, Grandpa, what's wrong? And Grandpa said, I never served the Lord. And now his health was gone, his strength was gone. And it was too late. And he realized he had wasted his life. Here's what Charles Spurgeon one day said to pastors and for those of us that are older Christians. It is so helpful to us. He said, serve the Lord with all your mind while you still have the strength before the difficult days come. Because when the difficult days come and your health is gone and your strength is no longer there, you will have no regrets because you lived wisely all the way to the end. Oh, how we need that today as older Christians. Serve the Lord with all your might while you still have the strength before the difficult days come. Because when those days come and your health is gone and your strength is spent, you will not have regret because you lived wisely all the way to the end. See, remember what wisdom is. Wisdom is skillful living so that we can produce something of lasting value. It is the result of deep character based on the virtues of justice, righteousness, and equity. And it is for the young to keep you from being suckered in life. And it is for the old that you might live productively and wisely all the way to the end. Oh, thank you, God, for this is what we need. Let's bow together in prayer, shall we? As their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, young person, From your heart, would you say to God, Lord, I I want deep character. I want to develop virtue. Because if I have virtue, it will keep me from being simple and led astray in life. Oh, young person today, would you pray, I want to be like Jesus, a man or a girl of righteousness, justice, and equity. And those of us who are seniors today, would we pray, Oh God, may I live wisely all the way to the end,
while I still have my strength and health to produce something of lasting value for the younger generation. May I be like Jesus who was faithful all the way. Father, hear our prayers and change our lives that we might indeed glorify you. For Jesus' sake, amen.